Come on, give it up for the Lord. Give it up for the Lord. Listen, David said that, uh, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house and praise the Lord. Amen? You got a reason to praise the Lord today? Y'all seem sleepy today. You got a reason to praise the Lord today? If you laid your head on a pillow last night, you got a reason to praise the Lord. If you opened your eyes this morning, you got a reason to praise the Lord. If you ate something today, you got a reason to praise the Lord. If you had coffee or water today, you got a reason to praise the Lord. If you're sitting in this pew right here today, you got a reason to praise the Lord. If you took a breath today, you got a reason to praise the Lord. Just silent. You're being silent today. You got a reason to praise Jesus in here. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. <laughs> Today is a good day to praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, I just want to welcome uh, our new people here today. Lauren and Jess were here. I'm not sure where they went, but, but she said she was just, you know, Patty said she came in and she just, she just smelt the fragrance of the Lord in here today. And, and, and it's, it spoke to uh, uh, our friend Lauren and Jess who were here, who were in the back there. You know, she said that she was just walking today. She was just walking down the street, and, and she just turned and saw that we were having service and just walked up the driveway and came up here today. So, you know, it's a, it's a great day to praise the Lord. Well, joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. Amen. Uh, you know, counting my blessings, that was one of the things that I was going to uh, mention. Uh, Michelle and I went off to Alive out in Mineral City, it's in Southeast Ohio, and, you know, we were able to spend a couple of days out there just worshiping with thousands of, of believers, and it is just an amazing um, atmosphere to be in when you are with thousands of people who are just there to worship Jesus. That is their purpose. They're not there for any other reason. I don't care how much sun is on top of us or if it's raining, we ain't going nowhere. We are here to worship him, and that's what we did. So we were able to do that, and then we were able to spend four days in Florida, so that was just a blessing. And, you know, when we go to Alive every year, uh, we are just determined to, to just add on, you know. And so we meet so many different people right now. Every year we go out there, we're, we're at probably about 20 people now that we all know each other, and we all sit with each other, and we all worship together. And so that's just amazing. But um, let's read our declaration together. Uh, and it is what... Uh, we got that up there? Yeah, 3 John 2. It is, uh, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Amen, amen. Father, we just thank you for this time right now. We surrender this time to you right now, Lord. I pray that you would just open our ears to hear the sound of your voice, Father, and open our spirits to receive it, to digest it, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just come into this house and do whatever it is that you want to do, Lord. Don't let us walk out of here the same way we came in. We love you and we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, earlier this week, uh, uh, Pastor Michelle told me about uh, a family friend, her sister's uh, friend, who took his wife on a, uh, went to go celebrate her 50th birthday. Uh, and they live in Ocala, Florida. And so what they did was they, they drove to Amelia Island, which is in Florida, and it's about two hours away from from where they live, and they drove out to this island and, and celebrated her birthday for the day. Um, and they booked a room out there, and so they stayed overnight. So uh, the next day he got up, uh, he had the part two. You know, he had the second part of her birthday as a surprise, and she had no idea. 
And um, he woke up and he said, I got a surprise for you. I want to take you and just celebrate the rest of your birthday. And so they all got in the car and, and drove out to where they were going. And they did the whole cover her eyes uh, thing and got her out of the car. And they walked her over to the, uh, the place where they were going and took their, you know, took their hands off her eyes, said, surprise. And what he did was he rented a boat to take her out on the ocean all day. Isn't that pretty awesome? And so he, he did that. Well, it wasn't so awesome for her. She looked, and she was like, what is this? I, I hope you don't think I'm going on that thing. And, and you're going to drive it? Absolutely not. I'm not going on that. And he's like, what are you talking about? Her sister's actually filming this whole thing, and she, she thought she was playing. But he's like, what are you talking about? I spent a bunch of money on this. You're going on that. You know, and she's like, absolutely not. He walks away, and she's just filth-farning and filthing. And, and, and he's, like, he's like, what are you talking about? You want to? So they ended up, eventually, her sister had to stop filming because, she, you know, this was supposed to be a happy moment. But her, her sister stopped filming because this turned out bad all of a sudden. He, he had no idea. He had no idea that she was terrified of going out on the water and was not okay with him being Captain Dan. You know, he thought he was just doing the right thing, right? Like, have you ever thought you were doing the right thing just to find out that you were completely off course? In our text today from the book of Acts, I want to take you, take a look at Saul of Tarsus who thought he was actually doing the right thing, only to discover he was being misled. Let's take a look at Acts 9, 1 through 11. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priests and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, somebody say suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And when the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one, then Saul arose from the ground, and when when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Today I just I want to pick out verse 11 and talk to you today about being found on a street called Straight. Acts 9 begins with Saul's conversion. Now Saul, well, he was educated. His theology was pretty solid. He was passionate about 
service to God, and, and yet his work for God was in direct opposition of God. He was, he was misguided. He actually believed that he was doing the right thing by persecuting the Jews because in the past, Israel had turned away from God and turned to other gods and, and a prophet. You guys are sitting in weird places today. I'm not used to this. What are you doing back there, Chris? <laughs> so Saul, he actually believed he was protecting Israel and God's honor by getting rid of these, the followers of Jesus. But the enemy is sneaky. Amen. He's sneaky. He's cunning. He, he'll actually puff us up to believe that our way is the right way when the Bible tells us there's only one way. Amen? And his name is Jesus. So the reality was that, that Saul was lost in sin and darkness. He was deceived by the devil. And I don't know if any of you guys can relate to Saul in here, but, but listen, I've been, I've been lost in sin and darkness a time or ten, Okay? I've been misguided and deceived, but, but how many of you know that the Lord God is merciful and gracious? Amen. He's long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Amen. He's our Savior. He's our defender. He's our provider. He's our deliverer. This is the story about Saul's conviction. I'm sorry, his conversion along the road of Damascus and, and how he ended up on a street called Straight. Now, we were all lost at some point, but here's what I know is that, is that no one becomes a follower of Jesus apart from conversion. There has to be a change or a shift in your life, right, from seeing things from our own self-centered perspective to seeing everything from a heavenly perspective, from God's perspective. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, he says, he says Assuredly, I say to you, Unless you are what? Converted. Unless you are converted and become as a little child, as little children, you will be by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So this morning, I want to talk to you about finding our way to Straight Street. I love the fact that it's actually called Straight Street. I believe it speaks of like a certain kind of walk with God. Amen. A lifestyle that's, that's in harmony and, and in the will of God, and in the oneness of the body of Christ. It's living a Psalms 133 life. It's the pursuit of God's will and the willingness to walk it out at any cost. Straight Street is a place where, where we get serious about the things of God in our lives. It's where we actually come alive as Christians. It's a place where we actually discover the abundant life that Jesus died to give each one of us. Amen? But there's a lot of people who don't find their way to Straight Street. The Bible says in Matthew 7, uh, 13 through 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. See, this is an invitation from Jesus that describes two gates, a wide gate and a small gate. It, it describes two ways, the broad way and the narrow way. It describes two destinations, destruction and life. 
It describes two groups of people, the many and the few. Jesus counsels his disciples to enter through this narrow gate. So it's important that we accept that that same invitation, accept that invitation today, and walk the narrow road if we're ever going to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Amen? It's only through straight street that we'll be fruitful. It's only on straight street that we'll have meaning in life. It's only on straight street that you'll grow deeper in a relationship with God. You see, as, as Saul, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Saul was, he was on his life journey. He, he was living life his way, following his desires. He was a noble, he had a noble profession, you know. He was a, he was a Pharisee. He was educated, so he studied under the best teachers. He was successful. He came from a family of Roman citizenship. Saul was driven. He knew exactly where he wanted to go and how to get there. Saul went to the high priest, requested a couple of warrants, and he was on his way to arrest, wreak havoc, and kill followers of Jesus. But on his way to arrest others, God arrested him. He was deceived into thinking that he had it all together but was completely outside of a relationship and outside of the will of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 19 says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. See, we don't need to, to neglect the pursuit of knowledge. But if it's, if it's worldly wisdom we're pursuing and it holds us back from our relationship with, with God, then it ain't wisdom at all. Like Saul, some of us are, are on our, our own life journey, walking our way, following our own desires. Like we might have successful jobs. We, we might be well-educated attending church faithfully every Sunday, but still walking in darkness. But the good news is this, is that the mercy of God reaches far beyond our dark places. Amen? It bypasses the worst thing that you've ever done and pulls you out of a miry clay. Jesus is constantly pursuing us, and he wants to bring you out of your darkness and into his glorious light. Amen? You ain't never too far gone for God to redirect your steps and bring you back to him. God knows how to straighten everything out. He doesn't, it doesn't matter how bad your life was in the past. You might have been addicted to drugs. You might have been addicted to alcohol, pornography. I want you to know that he still specializes in straightening out crooked places. Amen? No matter what the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And he will make everything, he will make all things right. It doesn't matter what kind of life you led, Jesus can come into your life and make all things new. Amen? And so today I just want to talk to you about how to get to Straight Street. First way I'm going to talk about how to get Straight Street is through humility. It's through humility. Acts 9.4 says, Then he fell to the ground. 
and heard the voice saying, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The only way to get to straight street is through humility. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves. I didn't give you this scripture. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he may lift you up in due time. See, it was, it was in the light of Jesus. All of Saul's education, all of his accomplishments, his family background, it was all meaningless at that time. Our proper response in the presence of the holiness of Jesus is to fall to your knees. It's to fall to your knees and worship him. He's, he was his only hope. He was Saul's only hope. Church, he is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. At some point, our prideful campaigns have to come to an end. Listen, pride is the original sin that caused Satan to fall when when the devil decided to lift himself up and say in his own heart five times, I will, I will, I will. That same pride that caused war in heaven integrated itself right here on earth. When, When pride creeps into our lives, it's the devil's attempt to pull us away from God. He's trying to convince us that, that we can do all this without God. But how many of you know we can do absolutely nothing without God? This might hurt a little bit, but we are the most like Satan when we walk in pride. The flip side of that coin is we're the most like Jesus when we walk in love and humility. The Bible says that God hates pride. It's in Proverbs 6.16. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And then take a look at that. Pride makes number one on the list. All right? Before murder, before lying, before evil plots, pride makes number one on the list. That tells me that all rebellion stems from pride. Pride is the root of so many of our struggles in life, and the Bible says that God hates it. Now, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't hate people, right? He's a good father. He loves every single one of us. We have a couple of teenagers, and I tell you what, one of the, the two words that I hate to hear come out of their mouths. You know when you're trying to just drop a little nugget on your kids, you know what I mean? Like you see them going through something, you're trying to drop a little nugget, give them some wisdom. The two words I hate hearing come from out of their mouths is, I know. You know. So you're telling me in the 16 years that you didn't walked around on this ball of dirt, you know. Okay. Yeah. Because from the decisions I see you making and the friends that I see you hanging around, I feel like you don't know. 
And I feel like that's what happens when God tries to guide us. You know, we say, we say, yeah, I know God. She seems nice, but she seems so much nicer. And God says, okay, I guess you know. I'll see you in seven years. Because you know. We'd rather settle for pleasure than the promise. See, I don't hate my kids because they make poor choices. Right? I don't hate them. I want to see my kids soar. I want to see them thrive. God doesn't hate his children. He wants to see us excel in our purposes. He doesn't hate people. He hates the behavior. Because what our pride does is this. Ultimately, what we, what we do is we say to an omniscient God, we say this. We say, thanks, but no thanks. Thanks for the advice, God. Thanks, thanks for your word. But I know. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going, God. Don't worry about it. I know exactly how to get to where I'm going. I don't need you right now. I know. When, when the reality is this, is that, is that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, our silly little thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And he knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And we don't even know what's going to happen at 12 o'clock. The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to those that are humble. Like Saul, we need God's grace in our lives. The only way to receive grace is through humility. If we're ever going to be used in the kingdom of God, we've got to humble ourselves before an almighty God and before each other. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Humility is, is the cloak of the true servant. Amen. Another way to get to Straight Street begins with revelation. With revelation. Scripture says, nine, uh, Acts 9, 3 through 5, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light sh- uh, shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard to kick against the goads. Revelation is, is when God interrupts our journey with his light. It's when he breaks into our darkness and shines his light on our situation and helps us see two things. Helps us see his truth, and it also helps us see ourselves as we are. Philippians 3, 4 through 8, Saul, now Paul, says to the Philippians who are, at that time, they were, they were glorifying their, their religious practices. And, and Paul says this, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day the peop- of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, In regard to the law, a Pharisee. 
As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, listen to this, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, Paul wasn't bragging about his resume. He was doing just the opposite. He's letting us know that that, that no human achievement, nothing we do can earn eternal life with God. He's telling us that all things of this world, everything in this world is garbage compared to knowing Jesus, the person of Jesus. So it doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank account. It don't matter how big your house is or how fancy your car is. It don't matter that you sat in first class. It don't matter what vacation you went on. Nothing compares to knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Even our righteousness are like filthy rags. Nothing compares to knowing Jesus. For Saul, it was in that moment, in that suddenly moment, that he began to have a personal encounter with Jesus. How many of you guys know that that you need your your own personal encounter with Jesus? Like it can't can't be Big Ma's encounter with Jesus. It can't be Meemaw's encounter with Jesus. It can't be Auntie's encounter with Jesus. It's like the 1980 Hey Love commercial. No, my brother, you got to get your own. But a lot of people today, like Saul, Saul heard about Jesus. Where a lot of people, a lot of Christians today, where they heard about Jesus, but they had never had their personal experience with Jesus. There's people that are that are in church today because their mom told them about Jesus. Or they're in church today because their wives or their girlfriends are in love with Jesus. But how many of you know that, 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 that when your mom and your wife and your girlfriend ain't around, you need to know how to call on the name of Jesus? Saul refers to this moment, this suddenly experience, as, as the start of his new life. The new birth is something that's supernatural. Like you don't, you don't get it from joining a church. You don't, you don't get it because you know a pastor. Right? It, it, for me, it, was, it wasn't until he walked into a condominium in Brook Park. And his presence filled this room, and and he shone his light on me, all right? And he laid me back, and he gave me a heart transplant. It wasn't until he reached under my fifth rib and grabbed my heart of stone and pulled it out and replaced it with a heart of flesh, amen? 
<laughs> it was in that moment that he removed my grave clothes and he robed me with his righteousness. Amen. It was at that moment when he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life and called me his son. That's when he revealed himself to me. I don't know what your, what your revelation looks like. But don't let nobody tell you what it's supposed to look like. He'll meet you in a dark alley. He'll meet you in a crack house. He'll meet you wherever you are and pull you out of whatever mess you in. I don't care who you are. He'll take you off of a crooked path and place you on a street called straight. We can't get to straight street without a revelation of how lost we are without him. We can't get to straight street without, without a personal revelation and a personal uh, a relationship with him and knowing the character of Jesus. Amen? Amen? You need your own personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. The third way to get to straight street is absolute surrender. Absolute surrender. Acts 9, 6 says, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And he just went. He just went. That's crazy, right? That's like us hearing the voice of the Lord right now. And he says, Arise. And, and, and walk to North Ridgeville, and you will be told what you must do. A couple of y'all might get up. Actually, everybody might get up. Somebody might be like, hey, Lord, you know what I mean? I would, but my knee be acting up on these days. He just went. Absolute surrender. The surrender that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the surrender that most of us sing about because it's a cool song, right? Some of us surrender a couple of hours on Sunday, maybe a couple of hours on Wednesday, and about a good hour and a half throughout the week. And then we come in here and we're like, ah, surrender. We're not talking about that surrender, right? Our surrender should depict complete an unreserved yielding to the Lord. It is a total show of submissiveness to God in all things. This is, this is the height of our commitment to God, to serve him all the days of our lives. Our sincerity is actually tested at the altar of absolute surrender. We can't, we can't get up, get caught up in our own work And we're all guilty of it, myself included. We get up in the morning and immediately we begin building our own kingdom. This is what I got to do. I got to call this person. I got to go do this thing, right? I got to go do that. A lot of us struggle with absolute surrender because what what it means is it means giving over everything to the Lord. Our marriage, our kids, our health, our finances, your time. That's why we struggle with it. 
But once we offer all of that to him by faith, they become to us what they already are to him, his. It's all his anyway. So once you you just surrender in faith, it won't bother you so much just to give it to him because you already know that it's his. The church needs to get back to that first love, Isaiah, send me surrender. You know that surrender, where where when you first fell in love with him, you you said, I'll go anywhere for you, Lord. I'll I'll do anything for you, God. And you meant it. You know, we, what happens after a while is we become professional Christians. <laughs> we get this, serve, this whole serving God business down pat. And what we do is we say things like, like, like I've already done that before. I paid my dues. They don't, they don't need me down in kids' church, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm more needed up here, serving adults. But, but have you actually asked God lately? Have you asked him that question that Saul asked? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? But here's the disclaimer after you ask that question to the Lord. Shut up. Shut up. And just listen. Listen for the voice of the Lord. Prayer isn't us doing all the talking. One of the most valuable things that I, the exercises that I learned uh, after reading the Emotional Healthy Spirituality, the book that Pastor Tina is, is, is doing the Bible study of uh, out in Avon Lake, one of the most valuable things I learned was how to sit and cultivate a life of prayer where I'm just listening for the voice of the Lord. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? That moment of silence was just so uncomfortable for everybody sitting in here. Thank you. But what, I, what, I, what it trained me to do was before I started opening up my mouth and, and placing my order, shut up, just listen. Listen for the voice of the Lord. Before I start shouting out, heal me, save me. Protect me. I, I want to know, what, what do you want to do, God? What do you want me to do? We, we, get, we get so caught up in what we want that we never even consider what God wants to do. But, but in order to know what he wants to do, you have to know his voice. We won't know his voice if we're continually, continuously talking, continuously asking for things. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice. They will not follow. Do you know the voice of the Lord? Are you tuned in to all channels? Or do you just assume what he'll say? The time of half-hearted obedience is over. It's over. 
If we ever expect to get the straight street, we need to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, surrendering everything. That means removing ourselves and putting God back on the throne of our hearts, allowing the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that he wants to do in our lives, allowing him to move in our lives. Amen? Listen, church, we can't get straight street confused with easy street. Ain't nothing easy about surrendering. Even Jesus, in his most critical moment, asked the Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But not my will. Your will be done. So so when's the last time that you asked the Lord to sincerely search your heart? Lord, search search my heart. Because I I want your will to be done in my life. Not mine. Whatever you want to remove from my life, I want removed from my life. It doesn't matter if it's a job, this house, a person, whatever it is. If it's not, if it's not your will, I don't want it in my life. Two days ago, I had to ask God to remove the shadiness in my life. Pastor Michelle. Pastor Michelle was just telling you guys how we got home on Friday. You know, we found uh, our our lower level of our house flooded, and uh, you know we did our due diligence. We uh, we called around to have a couple of people come over and see if they could mitigate it, and you know we talked to a couple of different contractors. And what I found out was. Um, when you talk to the insurance companies, your language matters. Your language matters, right? Like you say certain things and you might get it covered. You say other things and you might not get it covered, right? So I'm learning that, this, you know, little things, intrusion, no, don't, no, no, intrusion. No, no, no. Accidental? Hmm, yeah. Get those things covered, right? And he's like, you know, well, you know, if this happened to happen over here, you know, and you turn that on and, and that accidentally got left on and you walked away, I don't know, you know, then, then, then that probably, that'll get covered. That might get covered. And I was like, okay, I feel you. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I was washing my little baby duck in the, in the sink and accidentally, okay, and I left that. And, oh, I got you. I got you. Okay, Joe. All right, man. You know, so he went to go leave and I'm like, all right, that's what I'm talking about. Up high, down low, too slow. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow, man. I'll give you a call tomorrow, okay? And I turned around. I'm like, yes. I turned around, and there was Pastor Michelle. (laughs) She said, we can't lie. Fine. <laughs> but I had to ask God. It, it, was, it was a conviction of my heart right then and there. Because I had to ask God to remove that dishonest and deceitful spirit that was in my life. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how Scripture begins to speak to you in those moments, Right? I thought, I thought, like, what good is it if I gain the whole world and lose my soul? 
There has to be absolute surrender, even when nobody's looking. You see, for a general of war, surrender means defeat. But for a follower of Jesus, it means absolute victory. So, so think about your prayer time. When is the last time that you said, Lord, I fully, fully surrender? I fully surrender. And I'm, I'm not talking about this, you know, where we, where we, we come in, into our prayer rooms and, and, and we go, Lord, I fully, I fully surrender, Lord. I fully surrender, except for, except for that, Lord. Except for those things right there. I thank you for understanding, God. I fully surrender. Right? No, no, no. No, 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 Lord. This too. I surrender those things too. The things that I don't, I don't talk to anybody about. The things that I might be embarrassed about. That I don't, I don't, I don't discuss with anybody. I surrender those things to you too, Lord. And whatever that looks like for you. And we all have something. We all got something, that thing that God, that God put his finger on, you know what I mean, that he put on your mind, uh, that's, that we just keep ignoring, that, that thing. Are you surrender, you're surrendering it all to him. The one thing in your life that is keeping you from saying, yes, Lord, yes, not just some things, not just most things, God, I surrender it all to you. I'm surrendering everything to you. Whatever that is. See, we can never become the person that God wants us to be holding on to something that doesn't belong to us. We can never enjoy the blessings of God holding on to something that's blocking a blessing. There has to be absolute surrender. And so I had to ask myself this week, are you completely surrendering everything? Because we do. We get titles and we get beside ourselves. We get a pastor title on us and we, we get beside ourselves. But how many of you know that, that God ain't impressed with no title? God is not impressed with, it, with our titles. He is in love with our surrender. He can't do anything with our titles, but, but he'll make our crooked path straight with our surrender. Amen? I'm going to close. Stand with me as I close. See, when, when Saul finally surrendered his will for the Lord's will, He was led to a street called Straight. When he got there on that street, there was prayer on that street. There was healing on that street. There was acceptance on that street. There was fellowship on that street. But it took complete surrender for him to get there.
Saul was misled half of his life only to speak truth and lead thousands to truth the rest of his life. It doesn't matter how bad things look for you right now. It doesn't matter where you are in life right now. God will use anybody. He will use you right now. He's pursuing you right now. So today I'm calling all of us to find our way to Straight Street. If you ain't there, ask yourself, am I willing to make the journey? Are you walking in true humility before God and before other people? Maybe today you need a revelation of where you are on your journey. Just ask. Are you walking in absolute surrender? Or are there things holding on that are hindering you along your journey? Let's make today the day that we let go. Amen? There's no safer place to be than in the arms of Jesus. So if you, if you believe Genesis through Revelation and you desire to serve the Lord, do me a favor and let's just hold our hands up right now as we pray. Father, this week, I pray, Lord, that you would just remind us, Father, to wake up and clothe ourselves with humility. We thank you, Father, this week. I pray, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself, Jesus. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. We don't want to go anywhere without you. We don't want to be anywhere without your presence, Father. Search our hearts this week, Father. Remove anything that's not from you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your peace today, God. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to just surrender everything to you. We open up our hearts and our minds to you, Father, and I ask that you would just invade our lives this week. Let heaven invade our lives this week, Lord. Invade our marriages, invade our children's lives, invade our our careers, our jobs, Father. Right now, Father, we just ask that you would work on our hearts, Lord, so that when we look at every aspect of our lives, we can say, yes, I've surrendered it all to you. We owe you everything, Father. We lift up your name today, King Jesus. We love you and we bless you in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would need prayer, we would love to pray with you. I want you to come this way before you go that way. If you need prayer, we have some pastors, we have some 
altar ministers that'll be up here. Thank you guys for coming. I love you. I missed you last week. I'm so glad to be back. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. I love you guys.